All right, let's all stand to our feet. Ladies, if you already kicked your shoes off, I apologize. Take your Bible out. We're going to do something. I, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times. I, there's something powerful about declaration. And, and uh, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago about a guy coming up to me after a service one time going, well, that's a real cute thing you do, you know, your little declaration thing. I'm like, it's not cute. It's, it's actually our words contain power. Amen? And when we make declarations, we release things into the atmosphere. So what I like to do, and I, for some reason I've just... I keep coming back to this over the years. And so let's just do this today. So hold up your Bible. Say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I understand that one word from God can change my life forever, and I'll never be the same. No, never, never. No, never, ever. In Jesus' name, somebody shouted, Amen. Now, high-five somebody on the way down while you're turning to Hebrews chapter 12. Some might think that's corny. Some might think it's copying Joel Osteen. I know they say that at Lakewood, but uh, his daddy said it a long time before Joel was around. And uh, I love I love what, what Pastor John Osteen used to do that and just, just bring that life to the Word. All right, Hebrews chapter 12. And and Randall, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Would you flip these lights on for my young eyes? Thank you. That That's very helpful. All right. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Now, I want to read this to you, and, and this is something that we've been talking about as we've been going through this series, I Quit. Now, it's a funny thing to say this sometimes because we do have a culture of quitters if you think about it. I mean, there's there's a lot of times and, and when you talk to employers and managers, they'll say, you know what, it's hard to get good people anymore. It's hard to get people who who won't quit at the drop of a hat, who who have who can't be corrected. People, you know, if you say something, they're gone. If you say something, they bail. Uh, if a marriage doesn't work out, we just go. We just if things aren't working, we just walk away. It's so easy because we have a culture of quitters and we created that mentality where it's, hey, I don't have to put up with anything. And we've taken that independent spirit to the max and to a place where now you can't even correct an employee. You can't even, you can't even deal with anything. You can't discipline. You have children now emancipating themselves from their parents because their parents discipline them. Nowadays, if you discipline a child, it's, it's all of a sudden it's a violation of their rights. Wait a minute. When I was 12, I had no rights. I had one right. It was the right to get a whooping with a belt. That's child abuse now in our culture, but it was not child abuse. It was love then. At least that's what mama said. It didn't feel like love at the time, I must say. 
it was funny because when my, my mama whooped me, I, I could spin circles around mom. You know what I'm saying? I was a little strong. I, mean, I, was, I was pretty quick, pretty fast. So mama grabbed me, and she'd have one hand. She'd be trying to whip me, and I'd be like, oh, my tiptoes going around and around. And she's like, I'm gonna, oh, you know, she's chasing me. Wait till your dad gets home. But let me tell you something. When daddy got home, there was no running. You know what I'm saying? Because he would give me the inevitable, if you run, it will be worse. Is anybody feeling me here? Am I the only? This whole generation over here is going, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, 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 some of you do. Okay, all right. There's a couple of you know exactly what I'm saying. Some of you are going, I don't know, I'll just get grounded. I'll get a timeout. Timeout? Timeout? <laughs> There's no timeout. What's a timeout? Wait till your daddy gets home. I hated those words because it made me dread all day long. You know what I mean? Because if I ever got, you know, and if I got in trouble at school, it was like, man, I'm going to get a bust in here by Coach Giddens, and then I'm going to get a bust in at home by Mom, and then when Dad gets home, I'm getting another one. You know what I'm saying? So I got to tell you, it kept me out of a lot of trouble. But, but we we got a culture now where it's like, if there's any level of correction, any level of oh wait, that may not be the right thing. Man, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to take my toys and go home. We have a culture where with the job market and the way things are, it's like, you know, I'm worth more than you're paying me anyway, so I'm just going to go do something else. And so what's happened is over the years we've created a culture of quitters where it's just easy to walk away from everything rather than actually learn, grow, develop I must be honest with you, most of what I've learned in my life and continue to learn is not on the mountaintop. It is not when things are going great. Now, I like those times, but honestly, they're few and far between. But it's when I'm getting pummeled. It's when I'm taking a hit, Pastor Rich. It's when things are going not exactly the way I would like them to go. It's when drama is happening that I, if I am pliable, if I am teachable, if I am correctable, if my mentality is right, I can receive it and grow from it and actually come out stronger. Is anybody hearing me this morning? God loves you so much, he too will spank you. Amen? Godly discipline, correction. We started this series with Pastor Dan Stevens, and he came. He did such a great job, and he talked about I quit making excuses. And all these are on podcast if you'd like to go back and listen to him. The second week, we picked up with I quit complaining, and uh, that got a few moans and groans. And that's also on podcast. And then last week, Pastor Rich did a wonderful job. Can we bless Pastor Rich? Excellent job. He, did, he spoke on I quit living in fear. Excellent. And then today we're going to talk about I quit quitting. The definition of quit means this, to stop. When you quit, you just stop. I'm not going any further. My dog does that when you try to walk him. Anybody, some of you know Sparky. Sparky's a little overweight, so we thought, you know what, we need to get some exercise. So, so we, we, got him, we got him a collar. Here's the problem. Sparky's so fat, a collar won't fit on his neck. It just slides off his little head. So you can't walk him because you just end up with a, with a leash and a collar. So, so we got him a harness. We thought, we're going to fix this. 
So we got him a harness, and we, we told Rachel, all right, Rachel, you know, go walk Sparky. Well, I look out, and Sparky made up his mind that once he stepped outside the door, he wasn't going to take another step. Sparky's just, he's 27 pounds-ish. He may be 32 now. I don't know. He's gaining. But Sparky, whenever you try to walk Sparky, he just quits. He just stops. That's the definition. It means to leave. All he wants to do is run back to the house because it's hot outside. And he's thirsty and hungry. He wants a treat. So he's just going to run back. It means to fail to finish. To quit is to fail to finish. Let me be real honest with you. In my life, 49 years of age, I'll be 50 in six months. I'm fired up about turning 50. I'm excited about it. I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. I'm in probably the best shape I've ever been in my life. I'm excited. I've got a Caleb spirit on my life. So I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna fail to finish this race properly. But the regrets that I have at 49 years of age, looking back over my not so long life, depending on who you're talking to. Right, Doris? Doris is going, you're just a kid. But looking back over my life, the regrets that I have, and I don't have many because I just don't have a regret mentality. So even, even over decisions I've made, yeah, there's a, oh, I wish I hadn't, but, but the grace of God and, and the goodness of God is covered, and, and his grace is sufficient. And I, I just so bank on that in my life. That's why I'm a grace guy because much has been given. But if I have to say there's an area of regret that I've had in my life through the years, it's the times that I've quit something. It's the time I look back, and it's the, it's, the, it's the recurring thing that will come back to my mind of, you didn't finish the course. You came up short. You failed to finish. And let me just say something about quitting. It wasn't the times I failed to finish because something happened. I mean, I got knocked off course or something. That's not what I regret. It's the regret that I made a choice to stop when I did not have to. Simply because I got tired, because I got weary, because I got worn down, because maybe I was emotional and I made a decision in a high-stress, high-emotional time. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But it's those times that, that, that will recur to me that I have a sense of regret of, I wish I had not quit. I wish I had not failed to finish. And those were all decisions that were made on my part. And so looking back on my life, I don't know about yours. I don't know if that's an issue for you, but I will say it is an issue for our culture. Here's a quote by Lance Armstrong. He says this, pain is temporary. Quitting lasts forever. Because once you've quit a race, you can never finish that race. That race is over and done. Pain is temporary. Quitting lasts forever. I want to give you a picture. This is a picture from a race that happens every year in Wichita Falls, Texas, called the Hotter Than Hell 100. Trust me, at, in August, it is hotter than hell. 104 degrees the year I rode in this race. My brother and I did it together. He lives in Lubbock. He trained. I was in Brownwood at the time. I trained. And then we, we drove to Wichita Falls together, and we rode in this race. The year we rode, there were over 14,000 riders. That's a lot of bicycles. That's a lot of folks. And so it, it's real exciting. It's a big deal. When this thing starts off, there's like helicopters flying around. It's really exciting, and there's a lot of adrenaline in the beginning, and there's lots of wrecks and stuff. And 
people flying everywhere. I mean, it's you can just see that how they try to release it in stages, but it just becomes mayhem after a while. And fourteen thousand people keyed up and excited about going. And uh, we were going to do this ride, and and uh, I I was much more trained. I'd already been racing a lot. I was in good shape and had been doing this a lot and riding on a team where we did a lot of races around here. I actually, raced here in Abilene a few times. And uh, but he had not been training very well for that. So we decided instead of doing the 100 mile, that's called a century in bicycle races, uh, we were just going to do. Uh, the 50 mile. I, I wanted to do the 100k, which is 62 miles, but he just wasn't up for it. So we thought we could squeeze out 50 miles. So we do this ride, and it's exciting in the beginning because your adrenaline's fl- flowing. You carb loaded the night before. You've ate like seven plates of spaghetti, and I mean you're just uh, you're just wound up, ready to go. And and several miles into it, your adrenaline's running, and you're just you're riding over your head. You're going way too fast. The whole crowd's moving fast because just the adrenaline, the excitement, and everything that's going on. And then once everything pans out after about 15, 20 miles, after a couple of rest stops, it, it all begins to thin out. And then all of a sudden it dawns on you that, oh my gosh, it's hot, windy, and I'm tired. And where did the helicopters and the photographers go? Because about 14 miles out, you're just out in the country up in West in Wichita Falls. Wichita Falls, folks. You're, you're, you're out and it's 104 degrees and you're out in the middle of nowhere. Well, I stayed back for my brother's sake because he was struggling a little bit. So I just hung back with him. And then about, it's, we did the 50 miles. So about 12 miles from the finish, I start to get a little, I'm, I, cause I'm holding back. Cause I mean, he's not in great shape, but I've been practicing. So I'm, I'm like going, Hey, I think I'm just going to sprint. On, I'm just going to go on in, man. I'm just going to tear it up all the way in, get something out of this. And he's like, all right, go ahead. And then I, I, I just, he, he gets this funny look on his face. We're riding side by side and I look over and he just turns white. And then he's going, he's like, go ahead. And he just falls over. Boom. In a ditch, a bar ditch. And I'm like, I stop. Are you okay? And a couple of other people stop and he literally has had heat exhaustion, I mean, borderline heat stroke, and literally just passed out. And I stopped, and, and I sat with him, and we got water in him, and then a little truck came along. They picked him up and had to carry him in. He didn't get to finish. And I got on my bike and hauled it on in. And it was a lot of fun. When you get towards the end of this thing, the, the, it's just like the beginning there. The, the sides are lined with people, and they're cheering you on as you're coming in. It's really just, man, I mean, by the time you, you run in that last quarter mile and there's people everywhere, it's very exciting. Your adrenaline's flowing. You feel, like, you feel like Lance Armstrong at the Tour de France. You know, people are taking pictures. I don't know where those go, but it feels like you're a superstar for a moment. And I got to finish, and he didn't. He so regretted that moment. Because at, at one point, he almost got back on his bike and said, I, I can do this. I can, it's just a few miles. I can do it. And then he, then he was like, no, 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 you go ahead. He still to this day regrets that. He didn't finish. I'm sure all of us can tell stories of times where we didn't quite finish. Where we stopped short. Where we left. Where we failed to finish. I want to show you a video of a, of a young lady. In fact, her last name is literally Courage. And so, Randa, why don't you show this video? I, I want to show you something of maybe what a lot of us look like. Am I the only one who feels awkward watching that? 
if you watch the actual video where it's, I don't know if it's a friend of hers that was that had the you know the hand cam recording it, but they're actually laughing at her. They they, they think it's funny that this person is falling. You ever watch somebody fall in a restaurant and everybody's first reaction is to laugh? And then somebody has a human moment and goes, oh my gosh, what am I laughing at? What if that was me? But when we watched the video, I, I remember just hearing that person laughing. I was just like, because while they're sitting in the stands, you know, watching and, and getting a kick out of it and getting a laugh out of it, that girl's bruising her shins up, falling down. Can you imagine how sore she was the next day? Well, but she's not 49, but I'm telling you, I would be sore after that. Mark, we would be feeling that, would we not? <laughs> but I love the fact that she didn't quit. Oh, but she went around one of them. Uh, you know what? Hey, give her some grace. She's probably bleeding on her legs. I mean, I love the fact that she had the courage to continue. Turn to your neighbor and say, get some courage to continue. And we're going to help you have some of that right now. Turn with me. Hebrews chapter 12. I want to share this passage with you. I'm going to share it out of the New King James, and then we're going to look at the message translation as well. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. Someone say, run with endurance. Someone say it like they mean it. Thank you. The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Now, I want to show this to you in the message translation. If you look up at the screen, it says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way. Now, what he's referring to, the writer of Hebrews here, is all of chapter 11, which we call the Hall of Faith. Not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith. And it's about all of these who ran the race and finished their course for the things of God. And you can read that for yourself. But he's referring to that that whole list of people who ran the race before us and finished the race. Someone say they finished. So do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down. Start running and never quit. You know what the picture I get there is? You remember those ankle weights that they make, those torture instruments that you pay money for? And then you put them on your ankles and you get a wild hair thinking you're going to get in shape overnight and you put those on and go running with them? Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you have some of those in your closet or garage or attic? <laughs> thought so. All right. Those are torture if you run with those things. They weigh you down. They hold you down as if running is not torture enough. Can I get an amen? It means we'd all better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. Someone say, never quit. Someone say, never quit. Turn to your neighbor say, don't you dare quit. Now, there are good things to quit, like sin, 
Come on, somebody. Next, we're going to talk about another good thing to quit is to quit lying to yourself. We're going to talk about that next time. All right, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. Come on, somebody. We need to get off of spiritual carbs. Amen? No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. You know what parasites do? They suck the life out of you. They feed off of you. Let's look at the next verse. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're in a race. Study how he did it. I love that. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. You know what? If I know there's a finish line, if I know there's a crown, a prize, a trophy, something at the end, then I can put up with a lot. Someone say amen. We can put up a lot if we know there's something in it. He says he, he, says he could put up with anything along the way. He says cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, I know no one here ever gets to that place where you're flagging in your faith. That, that literally means you feel like you're just lagging behind. You just don't have it. You, you feel like it's, you know, I was strong, but now I'm not. I know no one ever feels that way. But if you ever do, you'll know where to go. He says, go over that story again. Look over the, the story, the, the message of Jesus. Do you know what the message of Jesus is called? It's called the gospel. It's the good news. His message is the good news. His life message, the fact that he overcame, that he did it. It says this, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. Do you know he was hated we always think of Jesus. Oh, I just love Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus was hated. They actually tried to stone him prematurely. They, tried to, they were going to take up rocks because they called him a liar, a blasphemer. They believed he blasphemed God because he claimed to be equal with God. We know he was, but they didn't, and they were going to kill him for it. Had he not have snuck away through the crowd, they would have gotten him. So they, were, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to destroy him. They wanted to destroy his reputation. Does anybody relate at all to any of this? He was misunderstood. And eventually he was killed. It says this, this long litany of hostility he plowed through. Why? Because there was a finish line. He says this, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I don't know about you. I could use a five-hour adrenaline shot. Come on, somebody. Let me give you some real simple things on how to quit quitting. Very simple. How to quit quitting. couple things. Number one, first of all, keep your eyes on the prize. This is going to be real simple, basic, but we've got to be reminded. Keep your eyes on the prize. Let me tell you, if there's not a goal to shoot for, you're not going to shoot anything. If there is no target, you're just going to, you're going to just shoot your gun in the air hoping to hit something, but you've got to be able to see something. It says this, keep your eyes on the prize, and the Scripture tells us in one, it says, looking unto Jesus. That's 12-2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, the prize. The prize is him. The prize is his presence. Also, in 1 Corinthians 9-25, we'll just throw it on the screen. This is the prize, and everyone who competes for the prize 
is temperate in all things or moderate. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. He's talking about the actual games that they ran for, and the, the crown was a crown of olive leaves, which would perish. It would go away. It would dry up after a while, and it wasn't for anything that would last. For us, we may have a trophy that ended up in a closet somewhere or probably in an attic in a box or maybe a garage sale that your grandmother had on your behalf. Come on, somebody. It says, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do what we do for an imperishable crown. In other words, it's something that is eternal that will never go away. Keep your eyes on the prize. Here's another way to quit quitting. Listen to this. It's not just about you. Others are watching. In Hebrews 12:1, it literally talks about so great a cloud of witnesses. The picture there is, if you ever watch the Olympic Games and they do the, the cross-country runs, and when they come back into those great stadiums, after they've been out running, or if, they, or if you're watching the Winter Olympics and they've been doing the, the cross-country skiing, and then they, they go all over the place, and then they come back and finish the last leg of the race in an, in an arena or in a stadium. And what happens is, is there's this massive crowd of humanity cheering them on, cheering on their person, and they're cheering, and all these people are coming in the arena. Get that picture in your mind because that's exactly what's happening for you, that as you run your race, turn to your neighbor and say, your race. Not anybody else's. It's your race. But as you run your race, there is a great cloud of witnesses. There are many who have gone on before us that are watching. And I'm telling you, the thought of this in my mind, remember that bicycle race. They're coming in the home stretch, and there's a crowd cheering you on. So great a crowd of witnesses, cloud of witnesses, is watching you, cheering you on. But not only are you being watched by those who've gone before, you're also being watched by those who will come behind. And I'm telling you, as I'm standing there with my daughter today, they, they're doing promotion Sunday today, and our kids are all promoting today. I'm standing there with my daughter, who's now going into the fifth grade, so she's now in the Switch 56 class. And I'm standing there thinking, here's what's occurring to me. My daughter, at 10 years of age, is watching me worship in church. And so I'm going to worship well, because I'm being watched Let me tell you something. We don't do what we do for us. We do what we do for the next generation, for those that will come behind us. Anybody hearing me this morning? It's not about you. Every time we sing that song, it's all about you. I always think it's all about me because, I mean, that is our culture. We'll joke around the house and sing that sometimes when we have a me moment. Anybody have me moments? If I have a me moment and it'll start singing, it's all about me. And I'm like, stop, I'm having a me moment. (laughs) Apparently, y'all don't have those in your house, just us. It's not about you. Others are watching, those that have gone before and those who will come behind. Number three, if you're writing this down, how to quit quitting. You are called to victory, right? Come on, is anybody called to victory here? You're called to victory, but winning is not about finishing in first place. It's about finishing your race. Listen, when I entered into, go ahead, Josh. When I entered into the Hotter Than Hell 100, my goal was not to win first place. There's some big bad dude riders in that race. And there's a whole group of them that are going to actually race. My goal was to finish. 
and come alongside my brother who wasn't as trained, wasn't as equipped, had never ridden in a ride like that before. My goal was to help him try to finish the race. It was to do the best I could. I stayed beside him the whole time until he couldn't go any further. But the goal when I lined up at the, fin- at the start line with 14,000-plus people, I did not have in my mind, I'm going to beat all these people. I had in my mind my time, my ability, my level of fitness, my brother's level. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you know what? I'm going to be content with that. I'm going to be excited about that. Let me tell you, God has given you a race to run. He's given you a lane to run in. And you've got to stop trying to run somebody else's race. Trust me, at my age, the temptation is to always be looking at everybody else's lane and going, ooh, I should have a mega church by now. Oh, I should be this by now. I should drive this by now. I should own this by now. I should be in this kind of work by now. I should have this in the bank account by now. I should have 12.5 kids instead of 3.5 kids by now. We're always comparing ourselves and looking around at everybody else's race. And yet God's given you a race to run. I'll never forget Kevin York telling me, he goes, Jimmy, you need to figure out what wattage God called you to burn at because there's 150-watt light bulbs. There's 100-watt light bulbs. There's 75, 65, 50. He said, find out what God has called you to burn at and burn at that level. And quit trying to burn at somebody else's. Because you know what happens? You will burn yourself up and burn yourself out. And so I've, I've tried to find my wattage, my race, and stay in my lane and say, you know what, with that I will be content because that's what God created me to be and do. And quit always looking eyes, wonderlust, looking off because God's given you a race to run. Look at your neighbor say, he is so talking about you. Turn to your neighbor say, I burn at and fill in the blank. What wattage are you? Come on, be honest. That's, that's a tough one. I know I put a lot on you right there. I put a lot on you right there. Who said 500? No, I'm just kidding. All right, making it real for real life. Let me land the plane with this. Here's a couple of things. These are just practicals. Here, choose your cloud carefully. A cloud of witnesses, you better choose your cloud carefully. Because let me tell you something. There's some people around you in your cloud of witnesses, your co-workers. Let me just be real loving and strong here. There are people that you work with who do not have your best interest in mind. And yet you go to them for counsel. Go to them for advice. Let me tell you something. Ah, Let me say this in a real nice way. Do not go to people who are not winning in life and try to get advice for how to win in life. I know that sounds real obvious, but there are people that you work with that are telling you how to live your life, and you're going, oh, yeah, that's a good point. He is sorry. You're right. He should treat me better than that. And check their Facebook page and see how many people they've been out with and see what bar they're hanging out in and say, oh, are they really winning at life? Okay, am I telling the truth or what? I know I'm meddling right now. I I was preaching, now I'm meddling. Choose your cloud carefully. John Maxwell issues this challenge. This is really good. Make a list of the top five people you spend the most time with. 
Then ask this question. Are each of these people bringing life and hope to me? Okay, well, if I, if I work X amount of hours, maybe I'm spending more time with these people than I am the people that I really value, but these are the ones that are in my life the most. Are they bringing life to me? Are each of these people bringing life and hope to me? Do they add value to me? Are they dream givers or dream killers? You may need to change your cloud. You may need to follow another cloud. Can I get an amen? Number two, resist the urge to make major life decisions in the moment of stress and pressure. I know that sounds obvious, but we make most of our decisions under stress and pressure. Is that not the truth? It's amazing how little little sleep, little rest, let the dust settle, how much clarity and perspective can come. Can I get an amen? Am I being too practical? Number three. This is huge. Go to God first, not your friends for wisdom. Well, duh. We say that. We, well, of course. Give me something deep, Pastor. Well, I will. When you go deep, I'll give it to you deep. But right now, this is where we live. This is where life's happening for a lot of people right now. This week, with a different lens, a different hearing with different ears... Listen to how the talk goes around the water cooler at work this week. Just listen for the wealth of knowledge and wisdom that's flowing out of your coworkers and friends at work. Just listen for the brilliance, for the solid counsel and wisdom and love that you're getting. Just mine out those jewels, those nuggets of life and hope and health and grace and truth. Does anybody catch my sarcasm? Go to God first, not your friends for wisdom, encouragement, and strength. And I love this quote. I heard this from Pastor Rice a while back. For every step you take away from the cross, and I changed it, there will be a cloud of people to validate you. For every step you take away, there will be a lot of people going, that's right, I feel the same way. Oh, I know they did that to me too. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I prayed and nothing happened too. Yeah, I tried that Jesus stuff, and it just didn't work. Yeah, I, yeah, they're nice people, but for every step you take away from the cross, there will be a cloud of people to validate you. Run your race. Burn at your wattage. Go to him. Go to him. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's have the worship team make their way up. I know I've been heavy on the sarcasm today, and partly because I get really frustrated. Because before I was a pastor, I worked in the world, I worked in the marketplace, and you know what? I had some of those armchair counselors and armchair sages give me some advice here and there. Nine times out of ten, it was not good, and it was definitely not godly. And I've seen lives derailed because of advice from people who don't walk with God. And if you're a child of God and you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, then the last people you need to be hearing from and taking advice and counsel from are people who do not walk with Jesus and who do not have a biblical worldview. But they love me. Really? 
as long as you're buying drinks on Friday night, they will love you. Uh, again, I, I hate to be so harsh on this, but it's just I'm watching people. Good people get derailed by really bad advice. And it breaks my heart. And then we quit. We leave. We stop short. We give up. We cave in. And that's not to say that there aren't times when it's out of your hands. I'm I'm not condemning that there aren't times when circumstances line up and the perfect storm hits. And sometimes it's literally beyond you. I'm not even talking about that. So don't hear what I'm not saying. There are moments when life happens and it's beyond you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, may you impart grace to us that we may not be quick to quit, quick to walk away, quick to leave, quick to give up. Give us wisdom. Give us grace to know when it is time to go, when it is time for a new season, when it is time to embrace a new thing. But God, Lord, may we not be found quitting because we were emotional, quitting because we were upset, quitting because we got bad advice, quitting because we didn't have the resolve to receive what you're trying to teach us. So we ask for wisdom. I pray for every person here, God, that, Lord, today's message would not be a message of condemnation, but would be a message that would help. Father, maybe we need to be careful of our cloud of friends and associates.